if I can give anyone advice as to how to be successful, you know, and, and for people to really build a relationship with you and know you, it's just be yourself. Simple. Welcome to the San Antonio Business and Real Estate Podcast, where you'll find intelligence and inspiration to fuel your success. Welcome to the San Antonio Business and Real Estate Podcast. This is episode 005. I'm your host, Benjamin Sanders, and welcome back. I'm happy to be recording after uh, all this pandemic stuff is going on. Happy to be back in the studio to bring some content to my faithful listeners. And I'm super excited for today's guest. We're talking about mortgages, how the pandemic has affected the mortgage market, some things to consider in terms of refinancing or securing new loans. And we have none other than the number one loan officer in San Antonio, Jennifer Guidry. So in addition to being the number one loan officer in San Antonio, she's also ranked in the top 25 women originators and top 200 loan officers out of over half a million nationwide. She has also become a regular on San Antonio's morning shows and hosts her own podcast as well. So we're going to be talking about Jen, her story, some key tips on how to grow your business and and become wildly successful. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the current state of the mortgage market and how it's been fluctuating back and forth with the big uh, interest rate cuts and some of the different uh, qualification standards for Fannie and Freddie. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring her on. All right, Jen Guidry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, do our interview today amongst this craziness with the pandemic right now. <laughs> Definitely uh, some interesting times. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks yeah. for taking the time to come out for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Jen. So you are the number one loan officer in San Antonio, but that wasn't always the plan. <laughs> no. So can you walk our listeners through your story and how you kind of got to where you are today? You know, it's it's interesting. It, you think as a child, you have your whole entire life planned out ahead of you. And that's what I thought that I did. And my original plan is I wanted to be a doctor. I was going to school to be a doctor and going to college at night and working during the day. And I ended up getting my first job ever in mortgage as a receptionist at a mortgage company. And little did I know that that would absolutely change the entire path of my entire career in my life. And uh, I mean, I would, I just remember, you know, back in those days, I would be looking around and observing what everybody else was doing. And I especially focused on the loan officers because I could hear them solving problems all day and talking to people and meeting with people. And I just knew that that was something that I was very good at and that I'm like, I could probably do that. You know, and very naively, uh, while I was in college, I went and got my loan officer license back then. I was living in Southern California and the... Next day after I got it, I went to the head of the mortgage company. I said, hey, I want to be a loan officer. And she looked at me. She's like, you're a receptionist. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you're, when you're 19 years old, I mean, you don't know that it's kind of hard to go from one thing to the other. I just assumed that she would let me. Sure. Right. I'm smart. Yeah, I'm not. good. And uh, it was a total smackdown. So what I started doing is, you know, back then uh, I looked in the newspaper and I'm like, I'm going to find somebody that will train me from scratch 
And I did. I ended up going on an interview, found a guy. I said, look, just give me a script. I know I can do this. And when he told me I got the job, I went back to my receptionist job and I put my two-week notice in and quit. Mm. And I took the leap. It was straight commission from day one. I read off a script and we did loans nationwide. Just people would call in um, off of flyers that we had mailed. And I was the number one person there my very first year. And I had no idea what I was doing. Amazing. <laughs> I quickly learned though, yeah. but it's uh, it's just, it's really neat just to see that transition and that taking a chance, right, to further my career. And it was just, it was scary, you know, going from a salary position. I mean, back then it was like 10 bucks an hour, which was a lot of money, um, to not knowing if I was going to get paid at all. Yeah. So. That was my my humble beginning, and then it's just kind of taken off from there. I mean, I, I've uh, just I not just moved here. I moved here from Dallas um, about 14 years ago, and while I was in Dallas, I held mainly upper management positions. I ran three states for a mortgage company. I was a branch manager um, for Wells Fargo, and um, my most recent position was a regional manager at First Horizon, which is no longer in business. So they all went out when all that craziness happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then fast forward, San Antonio, 14 years ago, um, I decided that I was ready for a change. I did not want to manage anymore. And my family had moved here and uh, I decided to buy a house here in San Antonio, quit my job and start completely from scratch as a loan officer um, in San Antonio. And the rest just kind of is history. Just worked my butt off and here I am. Amazing. So you are <laughs> you are absolutely no stranger to really. There's that phrase, burning the boats, right? right? Like being completely committed to a new path, maybe something that you're not completely familiar with. No, and um, I didn't have a plan B either. I'm like, I am going to make it no matter what. I love it. I couldn't. <laughs> you know, I couldn't agree more. I think if you give yourself a safety net, a lot of times you're going to use it. Yeah, I've learned not to do that, absolutely. and it works out better for yeah. me at least. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely couldn't agree more. All right. So, um, Jen, talk to our listeners a little bit about growing your business. What are some of the key factors um, that you've used to grow your business? I get asked this a lot, and I put a lot of thought into my answer, and it's not anything that's very complicated at all. What I've learned is that as long as you actually do what you say you're going to do and follow through, um, that in itself will help you grow your business because it, it's crazy, but not many people do that in business. You think that would be like one on one? Yeah. Why do you think but that is? Expect, I don't know. Like I, I think people expect things just to come to them, and they they forget about the hard work and the accountability that comes with building a business. Um, it's it's not easy, and you know, I just for me, I started just one thing at a time. I went and identified a problem in the San Antonio area. And for me, like my start was, I was really good at doing the tougher loans. Like they're called FHA and VA manual underwrites. And for those of you who don't know, let me explain it. It's like old school loan officering where you have to like pull apart the file. You don't depend on uh, automated approvals and things like that. You have to use your brain, put together a story and I was really good at it. So I went to a builder that had their own mortgage company way back, you know, again, 14 years ago. And I said, look, I said, give me all the stuff that your mortgage company cannot do and let me see if I can turn it. And 
after about six months of me begging every week <laughs> and, and asking them, they finally gave me one. And sure enough, I closed it. And then they started giving me more and more and more. And then we started getting an agreement um, where I would actually become part of their company in the respect of like all my customer service scores counted towards theirs because I was doing such a good job. And I became a huge part of their business. But what I then did is obviously I was closing all those loans as I reached out to all of the realtors, you know, that were doing loans on, you know, referring to the builder. And I built my business, I mean, one relationship at a time. And I, you know, again, it's just being very methodical and, you know, showing people like, yeah, I actually can do this and I will do this. And it just kind of just took off from there. I don't, I don't know how other way to explain it. It's just, it was one thing at a time. It was very methodical, thought out. I had planned everything ahead of time, like how I was going to go after the business. I kept track of when I did, how I did it, and here we are. Yeah. So tracking your numbers, being really conscious of your performance. Thinking on a plan ahead of time and then actually executing it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back a little bit to where you identified almost like a niche. Mm -hmm. Like you said, those problem loans that take a little bit more effort to to kind of underwrite. Um, You know, it seems like that, if you kind of follow the path, the obvious path, you're, you know, it's going to be a lot more of a struggle. But if you identify one of those problems that maybe take a little bit more work, a little bit more dedication to get done and solve, you may be a lot more successful. Yep. Yep. And it's uh, it has evolved into something where I'm not just doing all the problem loans now. I do, sure. you know, once you prove yourself, right, right, right. you can start doing everything else. Yeah. But yes, I definitely, I, I mean, just like any business, right? You identify a weakness in a market and you go for it, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Love it. All right, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't become the number one loan officer in San Antonio without a team. I, I do. I have three of the greatest assistants ever, and they are we're we're all the same in the in the arena of our work ethic and our love of people and you know the things that matter, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. But we're all very different. So I, I have one person that all she does is review documents and sends out needs lists because she is like Ms. Detail. And I call her Mother Mary because her name is Mary. She's been with me for 14 years now. And uh, that's that she's details. And then I have another person that is just like myself, right? Very outgoing. He helps me take loan applications, but he's not good at the details. So that's why we have Mary. And wh- I mean, what I've learned is that, I, you know, we don't want four of the same people we want four very different people that work together, right, for one common goal, and that's obviously to get all these loans closed. And Absolutely. that's what we play off of. I don't assign them things that they're not good at because it's going to be a disaster. Sure. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it just seems so prominent in successful business where, you know, you structuring that team, you, you kind of find people that complement your strengths and, and their strengths are your weaknesses and vice versa. There's a lot of kind of overlap in there as well. Yeah. I mean, I, we um, we took a personality test, like that Gallup poll recently, mm-hmm. and all of us had the same kind of two dominant traits. We were relators, um, and it, it was like an organizational skill, right? And then the other three, top, you know, of the top five, we were diversely different. Yeah. And it was so, we were laughing the entire time because we were like, yep, yep, <laughs> that's... 
we're different, but we're the same. So perfect, and it works out. Yeah, perfectly. it works out beautifully. Excellent. I know you're very busy right now. Yeah, a lot of refinancing going on, a lot of loan stuff going on. So how do you manage your time? How do you stay, you know, efficient with your schedule? We um, very recently, I've not always been great at this. Very admittedly, um, and I've actually written about this that. I used to be like the queen multitasker because during the day we get pulled in like 50 different directions at any given minute. And we sat down as a team and said, okay, what, what are we, what are we doing wrong? You know, how do we get to that next level? And what we decided was that we were concentrating on too many things at the same time. And we started cutting up our days where we have meetings every morning. Uh, usually between 9 and 9.30. We do the pipeline. We do the same thing every single morning. And then the rest of our day is chopped up into pieces of times that we return email, when we're talking to people, when we're returning phone calls, and things like that. And we stick to it. And at first, honestly, I was like, no way it's going to work because we're getting so many things during the day coming at us. But once we started doing it and implementing it, we were like, oh my gosh, we get so much more done You know, when you're talking to somebody, you talk to someone, you give them your full attention and you don't type in the background or, you know, return text messages when you're having a conversation. When you're laser focused on people um, and or one task at a time, you will find that like five o'clock comes around. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually done. Like, how does that happen? It's because you were very purposely working on each individual thing. And even as as busy as we are with four people, we get the amount of work done with teams of 20 and 30 people, whole branches with four people, and we're not working these crazy hours. And it's just time management and laser focus, you know? Excellent. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it will change your life. I mean, when we started just really breaking down our day and sticking to the timeframes that we've given individual tasks, we're like, wow. We're not working till ten o'clock at night anymore. You know, we're working till five. Yeah. That's so. <laughs> it's quite nice. Yeah, it's fascinating because <laughs> I found that if I give myself twenty minutes to accomplish one task, and I set aside everything else, all the distractions, I get so much more done in those twenty minutes than if I just say I'll get it done today. Yeah. You know. You set a time, and I and I do that with my personal life too. You know, like I love hiking and and uh, you know just taking some time for myself in the morning. And I set time frames, and that's the only thing I do during that time frame. Yeah, Life it's just the most better. effective. It's yeah. not as stressful. Absolutely. So, yeah. Take note. That is uh, how to effectively structure your time. <laughs> okay, so next kind of point here. So anyone in business at some point is going to hit speed bumps, especially those like right now. Um, maybe it's either rejection, failure setbacks, whatever it may be, you know, I guess, how do you handle setbacks? And and what kind of advice would you have to people who incur some kind of failure? Yeah, I mean, failure is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's through failure that you learn through you grow right through pruning. And any person that's successful has failed a ton of times, including myself. And people are going to turn you down, right? And it's what do you do with that information? And what I have learned is, I just, I don't know, I, I persistence for me, you know, when I'm, when I've identified a builder or a real estate agent that I want to go after, 
I don't just call one time and if they don't call me back, it's like, oh, they don't want to do business with me. You know, like that's not part of my vocabulary. It's like they don't want to do business with me yet. Right. So let me tell you, you know, one of the builders that I've been working with for eight years, I every week I emailed him like, hey, you ready for a new preferred lender yet? You know, and then I'd make it funny the next week and just be myself. Right. Not like corporate Jennifer. It's just the real Jennifer. And uh, it, after a year, he finally emailed me back. He said, OK, come on in finally. And again, we've, we've been doing loans um, together for many, many years. I mean, and, and I could say that with with any large relationship that I have, it just didn't come to me. It's from me being rejected about a thousand times. And then one time I wasn't. And the other thing you have to know, though, there's a big difference between like being persistent, like being a pain in the butt stalker. Like you don't want to be that person either. So it's like uh, I found if you make it funny and mix it up, mix up your message. So it's not so professional and perfect, yeah. you know, when you're yourself and and you're persistent, um, it usually will work in your favor, even if, when you get rejected a whole bunch of times. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I read that recently uh, where you kind of break the cycle. They kind of expect that perfect mm -hmm. professional email. And when you break it up and really humanize it, it's like, okay, whoa, let me take a second look at this. Yeah. It kind of gets some different. Like she's a real person. Right. Oh, she you is know? a human being on the other side of the computer. Yep. Oh. I know people always, you know, look at bankers or anyone in mortgage, like where these prim and proper. I mean, if you look at me today, I have holy jeans on and a high heels and a suit coat. So it's I'm not like your regular banker, like a banker with a twist. Right. Um, but just when people are themselves, other people appreciate it. You know, so I think people try to be like almost too professional sometimes and it works to their detriment. I, I've heard I know that's off a sidetrack. No, but, for sure. And yeah. I want to go down the road a little bit further. Uh, you know, how, because that's something I hear time and time again is just be yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you just embrace who you are in a professional way in yep. your business, then it will pay dividends. Right. So, how do people get over that uncomfortable, I have to act this certain way in business and become them, you know, act themselves? <sighs> Just by doing it, right? Wow. Fake it till you make it. Even even though it like our, our first inclination, right, when you're walking into a meeting is to be this, you know, very uptight and prim and proper and perfect manners and, you know, all that. But the other person that you're meeting with is probably like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to be this way. So I don't. I just started doing it one day, and I I think that's really the only way to do it is just like just stop with the don't be fake. I mean, just be yourself. And if you're not good at something, tell people. You know, I don't, you know, I, I had this conversation yesterday. I had a realtor call me and she's like, I have all this business I want to send you, but it's all down payment assistance and USDA. And I said, well, let me, let me just stop you right there. I said, those are the two things that I'm the worst at. Like I am not the person that you want to use for these types of loans. And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you for not just telling me because, because other people I've talked to, they said, yeah, let me do them. And then they screw them up and then it ruins the relationship. So we ended up talking about what I am good at. I said, let me, that's what I want you to send me. Not this stuff. I have someone else that specializes in these things that will actually do a good job. Yeah. So, and it, again, it's from being myself. It's not just doing the, you know, the corporate, call it corporate Charlie answer, yeah. you know, we're like, oh yes, I can do all those things. Right. You know? Yeah. No matter what, whatever you need, customers, right. Yeah. yeah sometimes, uh, you know, it's in their best interest that you refer them to someone else. Yeah. And then I'm sure she's going to say, hey, go to Jen for these mortgage exactly. products. You know? Exactly. So, yeah, just being yourself is 
I would actually say that that's probably the most important thing. If I can give anyone advice as to how to be successful, you know, and, and for people to really build a relationship with you and know you, it's just be yourself. Simple. Unless you're so a jerk, simple. right? Yeah, unless you're a jerk, then fake it. <laughs> don't, yeah. be a, don't be yourself. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So for our listeners, today is May 21st, just to kind of timestamp today in our pandemic timeline. Uh, so, Jen, in general, you know, what have you seen the big changes happen due to the pandemic in the mortgage market right now? When all of this was first starting to happen, we were not knowing what to expect. We were expecting that everything would come to a screeching halt, but actually it's done the complete opposite of that. I am busier. I mean, every mortgage person that I know is busier than they've ever been in their entire careers. Last month, I closed more loans than I've ever closed. This month, there'll even be more during a pandemic when everyone's at home. It's crazy. Wild. Um, With the rates super low, obviously a lot of people refinanced, but you know, the construction and the new home buying did not slow down one bit. It changed, you know, on how people looked at homes. They would do like the virtual tours and things like that. But construction didn't slow down. Um, we still saw bidding wars. And I mean, just we, we, we basically just very quickly changed all the way that we did things, appraisals, closings, things like that. They all became remote or desktop appraisals. But no one else... I mean, I did not lose one loan at all during this whole entire time to somebody that said, no, I don't want to do it because of COVID. It didn't stop anybody. And now um, we coined this yesterday. We call it COVID inflation because so I do loans um, for some of my customers that are even across the country. So I'm doing some loans in Colorado right now, all throughout Texas and Oklahoma. And they are having like outright the prices went up like overnight as soon as they started opening things up and now they're having like even more bidding wars 20 30 40 thousand dollars over asking price and people are fighting over the real estate (laughs) and you would think like what but it's happening with with no issue (laughs) this is so funny because it's it's the term is overused entirely too much during this time is unprecedented uh and so that goes against anything that I would have thought is like, hey, people are staying home. People don't want to move. People don't want to do anything with their money. They're afraid the stock market dropped 35%. Uh, but it's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. And it's almost like summer came early, right? Summer usually is when all the kids are out of school. Um, and, you know, and that's when most of the real estate activity is done. Usually June, July, August are usually my busiest months. Um, but because all the kids are home, people have been home, they're like, oh, my gosh, I either hate my house. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they're not really concerned with moving and having to pull the kids out of school because the kids are already out of school. Right. So I think that the whole timeline. So it's going to be a longer summer. And so I think it's going to be very, very busy for the for the months to come for sure. Wow. Yeah. And thank God we live in San Antonio, too. It's such a great place to be with all of our military bases and people coming in and out all the time. Sure. So yeah, it, it, it definitely helps where we're that we are where we are. Wow, that is a cool angle. I hadn't mm-hmm. actually considered that. It is like summer came early. Yep. Whether that's good or bad for some of the parents at home, I'll <laughs> let you decide. Um refi. So the Fed cut the target rate to pretty much zero. So everyone's flocking to refinance their home, right? 
So I know you mentioned this a while back, um, is that there's kind of a backup period, kind of a waiting period for refinancing in terms of locking in your rate and then actually closing. Yeah. And and let me just tell you, so a lot of people, I mean, I would say most people, when the Fed cuts the interest rates, they're talking about short-term interest rates like um, home equity lines of credit and credit cards and things like that. The mortgage interest rates follow that typically, but it doesn't exactly make it, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so I just wanted to kind of just clarify that. But yes, I mean, with all the refis, I mean, we personally, I mean, as a company, we're 100 loan officers and we added like almost $3 billion into our pipeline just from refinances within like a two-week period, which is insane, yeah. right? And then it's still ongoing because the rates are still really low. But there's only so many days a week that someone can work. And what I'm telling my customers, it's like you get all your stuff in, we're going to lock it for 60 days, and then you just sit back and relax. You have nowhere to go. You're already living in the house. So who cares how long it takes to close? Um, but we're just getting to them just like every other mortgage company, one loan at a time, because you have to work on your purchases and in your construction loans first, because those people have timelines, refinances, they're just, they're just taking longer. So yeah, we lock them in and then they kind of just sit there. Sure. I mean, honestly, and, and just move along the process, but just on a slower yeah. pace. So yeah, just hurry up and sit wait back and relax. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right, Jen. So one of the hot topics right now is mortgage forbearance. Kind of what is that? And, you know, what is some information from your side on that? So what people have to understand is that forbearance doesn't mean that it's going to be forgiven. You're still going to have your mortgage payments. And, you know, you should only do the mortgage forbearance if you have truly lost your job. Um, a lot of people took advantage, and I use that in quotes, of the program uh, when they still had their jobs. And it's going to hurt you. So it, it, it's um, so when the three months is over, your mortgage payment is going to go up, right? Because that mortgage has to be covered. Those three months have to be covered at some point in time. So either it's going to be one balloon payment that's going to be due, which to me t totally defeats the purpose of getting a forbearance, or you're going to have to have a larger mortgage period, a payment um, over a certain period of time, usually five years. Yeah, to pay back that money. So they kind of amortize those three months. Over. Yes, I see. Yeah, so just people have to be just just careful about it because it uh, it sounds so enticing, but then it's to me short term thinking versus long term thinking, and I think it's going to get a lot of people in trouble, yeah. and that that actually concerns me. Yeah. Well, thank you for that information. So don't take mortgage forbearance unless you absolutely need to and have a absolutely need to. Need, yeah. Yeah. That might come back to bite you. Oh, and the other thing too, if you're, if and we've run into this recently, if it shows that your home loan is in forbearance um, and you are looking to purchase another home and we pull it up and on your credit report, it shows in forbearance, you have to take it out of forbearance. You have to make another payment. You have to get your credit updated. And then you have to provide a really good letter of explanation as to why your home loan was in forbearance and what has changed now. So that's why I'm saying like only do it if you absolutely have yeah. to. Yeah, so let's keep let's all keep that in mind. Yeah, when we're looking at that. Okay, Jen, I kind of want to put this in here at the end. What do you like to do for fun? What are some hobbies, things you like to do? You mentioned hiking. Yeah, I, I travel, and th that's why this past few months has been very difficult for me, especially because I, I really try to go somewhere at least once a month just to kind of de-stress and get away in nature. But um, I mean, I I travel. That's my that is my fun. And then really puttering around my house. 
I have learned to love hanging out at my house. <laughs> Haven't we all? I know. But I really, you know, you didn't realize, at least I didn't realize like how much extra love it needed. So I was, I've been able to get all my stuff done that I've always wanted to do. And, you know, I'm just, I lead a pretty simple life when it, when it comes to like outside mortgage, that's just as slow as I possibly can and sure. leisurely. So that's what I like doing. I'm just an outdoors hiking kind of girl camping. Love it. Love yeah. the outdoors. What's your favorite place you've uh, traveled to? Mm. I love like Italy, um, all throughout Italy, Northern. Um, I, I've been both. I mean, I love the mountains. Um, so I really enjoyed really, I, I would say Northern Italy, Yeah. you know, right by like where Switzerland and France Ooh, are up there. Yeah, I'm sure it's gorgeous. It's so pretty. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jen, any, any last things you want to talk about before we kind of wrap this up? Um, I think we should talk about just, I do want to give a little bit of advice on refinances. Sure. Um, just because this is something that keeps on coming up when you guys, when you're refinancing or, or you're thinking about refinancing, please think long-term versus short-term. People are very concerned about, they, all they care about is, can I lower my interest rate? But they don't put any thought into, how much is it going to cost me to lower my interest rate? And how long is the recoup time and things like that? So really, just instead of going for the number, make sure it's worth it. You know, at, at least one point below what you're currently paying right now. And, um, and just make sure you're going to recoup your cost within two years. That's probably, I mean, I just see so many fee sheets that are being sent to me by competitors. And I'm like, they're charging you $15,000 to lower your interest rate one point. I mean, it's going to take you 10 years to recoup this. Why would you do this? Yeah. Right? So if you're selling anywhere within those 10 years, you're probably not realizing. You'll lose money. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to move within five years or, you know, I would not refinance. So unless you can pay everything back within two years sure. with the money that you save. So, Great advice. That's it. Pretty yep. simple. Think long term. <laughs> Think long term, not short term. I think that's sound advice for for <laughs> life in general, right? Exactly. All right. Uh, well, Jen, it was great talking with you today. If people want to learn more about you, your services, where can they get a hold of you? My uh, my website is salending.com. So that's S-A-L-E-N-D-I-N-G.com. And I have, I just actually just got the website redesigned, so it looks really great. And we have a wealth of information about not only my podcast too, mm -hmm. um, and then our some of the morning show appearances and all the different loans that we do. Everything is on there in one spot now. Perfect. So exciting. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for being on the show and thanks excited to have you on again, you on again soon. Thank right. you. Have a good day. You too. All right. And there you have it. Episode 005 with Jennifer Guidry in the books. I hope you learned something about uh, the current state of the mortgage market and some of the key things to keep in mind when you're looking to refinance or secure a new construction loan, or really just growing your business, whether you're an independent contractor or a business, small business owner, um, really taking some of those those tips to heart in terms of growing your business and building a team and, and just staying positive, being able to roll with the punches and and get up and, uh, and get after it again and again. So... Well, thanks for tuning in to the Sabre Podcast. Don't forget to go over to the website at saberpodcast.com. That's S-A-B-R-E podcast.com. Make sure to friend me on LinkedIn, Benjamin Sanders, C-R-E. And we will see you next time here on the San Antonio Business and Real Estate Podcast.